Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome listeners to an episode of the Closers Inner Circle podcast hosted on your partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my co-host, Ben Gay III, We're diving into the world of sales mastery with a gem from the closers part two. And these books, one and two, are genuinely known, widely known as the sales Bibles. So our focus today is on a chapter titled Save as Much as You Want from the Closers Part Two. And specifically, it is on page 71. So get ready for insights that transcend the sales landscape and Ben unpacks a treasure trove of wisdom that really goes beyond just closing deals. This isn't just about what works now. It's about planting seeds for future success. So join us as we explore the art of saving as much as you want and discover how this knowledge can sprout into innovative ideas on your sales journey. And last week, we talked about elevating sales efficiency with Plan A and Plan B scripts. That episode is also from The Closers Part 2 on page 199. And it's titled Gigi's Plan A and Plan B Interview. And Gigi is Ben's wife. Good morning, Ben. It's Wednesday. Hello. How are you doing? I'm here. I'm chilly, which is very unusual for the Deep South. (laughs) I'm so happy. My feet are cold. I saw on uh, the uh, television this morning, I was looking at Atlanta just because that's home to me. And it was uh, 60, oh, 39 degrees. And uh, I'm not used to see, I know it gets cold there, I've even shoveled snow in Atlanta, but uh, I'm not used to seeing Atlanta and 37 degrees side by side, because I still think of Atlanta as put on sunglasses and go play golf. But uh, it does get cold. And I used to, I still miss at the first ice storm, which Atlanta is more likely to have than pure snow, all the Southerners who've, who haven't driven much at all run to their cars and get out on the road and uh, so then you get to watch them on the news coming there's a couple of hills in atlanta that are famous you know but i've never seen a car in the winter come down nose first they come down sideways they come down backwards (laughs) there's something about icy streets and or snow that drives southerners to their automobiles oh you ought to see what happens here in cajun country Oh my, it's insane. And of course, we live on and near and adjacent to water. I mean, we're river towns, there's water everywhere. And those bridges ice up, and Cajuns lose their minds. They really do. <laughs> and I don't get out there because I know what they're doing. I'm just, I, I can hear them crashing. 
Yeah. I live in a small neighborhood, three streets deep, three streets wide. And I'll hear, oh, hell. (laughs) 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 Why they have their windows open and screaming, I don't know, but it's entertaining. (laughs) Well, that's so you can be heard right before the impact. That's good. We have every once in a while, every couple, three years, we'll have a snowstorm. And that snowstorm means that I'm out there and I'm scraping up little tiny, tiny balls of snow from the neighbor's yard so I can make a two-inch snowman. It's very important. It's tradition. <laughs> uh, get you, and you got to always have a carrot for the nose in the refrigerator, small right. carrot. Baby carrots. That's right. I've been trying to train my dog that she likes carrots. She she doesn't. I've been trying to talk her into it, but it won't work. So let's talk about save as much as you want. I That doesn't make sense to me these days. So I had to, and I've read this book a couple of times, many times, and I had to go back and say, what was that chapter about? Because save as much as you want these days, people are going, I can't buy groceries. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was rereading it this morning myself to get back up to speed because I don't read all my books every day. And uh, uh, one of the things that dawned on me was the particular example given is a little too complicated for radio. And uh, so I'm going to give it a light touch. But basically what it talks about, it was a client of mine, a friend, who had to raise his rates to appease the bank. And yet he'd been in business for years, very successfully with a profitable business on a handshake and rates about half of what everybody else was charging. You and I have talked about it. Air is cheap and his particular business, not unlike an insurance company or selling pre-need burial insurance until you need something, it almost costs nothing for him to keep you on the books. So he he got sort of fat and lazy. You know, they're only paying me $125 a month. On the other hand, I have lots of people doing it. And on the other hand, I don't have to do anything most of the time. Uh, It's like flying uh, hours of boredom interrupted by moments of stark terror. And uh, so he was in that position. But the bank made him uh, get people on contracts because they said, we're lending you this money to build a new headquarters and so on. And all of your uh, customers are handshake agreements and month to month, they could, you, you say something stupid, they could all leave and you wouldn't be able to pay for the building. We're about to lend you money to build. So on that happy note, he called me and we worked out some things to do. And among them was giving customer one you have to keep your word if the word was and i'm making up numbers but if the word was 125 dollars a month with no contracts then you had to have the option to stay there in that position whether the bank liked it or not but we had other options for them one to get you on paper uh the uh you could stay at 125 a month but you had to lock yourself in for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever with a written contract he could take to the bank. Or you could go to the new rate of $250 a month uh, and new customers had to had to do that. I mean, they didn't know it was the new rate, but it was $250 a month now with a contract. That was fine. But it enabled him to also offer to the old customers 
uh, if you want to be on a contract and protected, then you can go to 250 a month for whatever length of time you want. I think he quoted 20 years, which he may come to regret at some point in the future, but lock them in. So you're, it's the old Snickers bar thing. When I was growing up, every time we got a Snickers bar, my favorite candy bar in the world, my uh, mother or father would put it on the table and with my sister. One of us cut it and the other one got to pick which half they wanted, which made you be a very accurate cutter if you were the one with the knife that time and uh, but everybody was happy because you you can't complain when you pick the half you wanted and so that was what he said to the customers which brought me to thinking about a term i use called pre-haggled uh some people i'm not one of them love to bargain I say to somebody who I, who wants to bargain with me, name a price to which I will say yes or no. I won't, I won't argue with you or haggle with you. I don't like doing that. So take your best shot. Uh, and we won't, if I say no, then I don't want to hear your next offer. We're done. Um, so sharpen your pencil and give me a figure. And people generally will do that. And occasionally I've said no, and so whoa, 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 we can we can do a little better. And I said no, you can't. Now I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. You were supposed to do your very best the first time. So we offer uh, with my seminars and mentoring programs and books and everything, we offer pre-haggled pricing. Uh, we don't that way it's easier for me. I don't have to remember the deal I gave you, and versus the deal I gave somebody else. Uh, and somebody says, well, you know, you said, and I, I'll say, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember the conversation, but if I said, here's exactly what I said, because I operate off pre-haggled pricing and I operate off a script. So I don't have to wonder what I said in any given situation. I know what I said. And so that's pre-haggled and it's easy when you're selling an item although I've even done it with seminars, in the back of the closers books, for instance, there's a quantity discount schedule. And people will call, not every few minutes, but more than you might think. People call, hey, I'm going to buy a bunch of books for my team. What's the very best price you can give me? And I say, well, if you look in the back of the book, you'll see our discounts start at 10 and run to 1,000. How many do you have in mind? And the answer at that point is usually, ah, oh, four. <laughs> I think the highest figure I've ever heard in response to that is seven. Oh my. Well, if they're ordering 50, they've looked in the back of the book to see and what it, the best deal yeah. they can is. And, uh, and then I have to say, you know, well, I'd like to pay. I says, it doesn't make any difference what you'd like to pay. The prices are pre-haggled and they're saying for everybody based on quantity. And it's not a garage sale. What the heck? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not running an auction here. And uh, the uh, I had a client from Atlanta call one day who I'd done several seminars for and said, you know, you're always talking about pre-haggled and so on. What about uh, seminars? And uh, I said, well, you know, I've never really thought about it, but the formula is already laid out. Discounts start at 10 and run to 1,000. And uh uh, they said with, with seminars yeah, and when this conversation took place my rate for 
this all-day seminar or speech of any length was still 90, just 9,500 plus expenses. And uh, uh, so I said, yeah, I'll do that without even thinking about it. 9,500 times 10, you get a 10% discount. And uh, it, it, he, he said, okay, but how do you know I'm going to do all 10? I said, because you're not going to get any discount until we get to the last one. Mm-hmm. And and that'll be free. Uh-huh. So you pay for nine, you get one free. And the point to our listeners is have your prices and plans nailed down, pre-haggled, pre-figured, and don't dance around every time somebody jerks your chain. You know, make sure it's fair. Um, we haven't raised the price on the, the closer's books in years. Probably should. Printing prices have gone up. And I only reluctantly raised my speaking fee from 9500 to 125 plus expenses uh, just because it was time. But anybody who was with us before has hired me even once 20 years ago. Your grandfather did at 9500 so that was that's the way we drew the line, not unlike uh, the, the chapter we're discussing now. If this is your second talk or or more, you're you're locked in ninety five hundred forever. And uh, if not, then you'll probably never even hear that price. It's twelve five plus expenses. And if you want me to deal with the expenses. You know, if you don't want to deal with a travel agent and what seat I like and and so on, then it's fifteen thousand. But and I'll handle all that. You don't get any other bills for anything. No, I'll even pay my own hotel. No hotel, no meals, nothing. Fifteen thousand. Uh, of course, that's domestic. Cost ten thousand dollars to fly to Norway. So, for instance, got to adjust that a little bit. But domestically, that's the deal. And they, you know, well, I talked to so-and-so and he's only a very famous name was thrown at me just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was talking to so-and-so and he'll do it for just that. And I said, by all means, hire him. He, he's not as good as I am. You know <laughs> that and I know that or you wouldn't have called me. Now, of but course, he, at the end of the show, you have to call me and tell me who that was. Okay, be happy to. <laughs> And uh, the uh, as long as you don't repeat it, I would later. never. You know, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, you wouldn't have called me if if you thought that uh, he was the better deal. And he's very good. I said I don't discount. He, he knows more than your people know, so you can't run through all of his material. But you don't get Ben Gay. Same thing I do in price. You know, if I'm buying, I, I don't sell cars, but I have. Um, if somebody says, well, I can get the car down the street for $200 less or whatever. I said, well, cars are not hard to come by. Almost every adult has one, has had several, and will have several more in the future. So that's not the issue. What's unique about this car, it's the only car on the planet out of the billions that are rolling around in various parts of the world that comes with Bengay's personal cell phone number so that if you ever have a problem you can call AAA, do whatever keeps you happy, but you call me because everything that I can possibly handle will be handled. And they don't have that in your $200 bargain car. So, uh, you know, do whatever's best for you, which is always my attitude. Sometimes, rarely, 
Uh, sometimes whatever is best for them is to deal with somebody else, either because I don't do it or I don't do it well, or I know their budgeting and uh, I know my pricing, which as we've just been discussing is pre-haggled. I don't drop, there's not a story on earth that will get me to drop a price because I've said that to so many people, I couldn't drop it now if I wanted to. See, that makes sense. And you know, um, to one of your points, listen, I will often, people come to me, oh, Denise, I need a website, or I need this, that, and the other. And I'll listen to them and decide probably pretty quickly that I'm not their person. But I will do my best to send them to somebody who could work with yeah. them, do what they need. I'm not going to go, ah, oh, I can't help you. Sorry. I'll do my best, like you with your, your Rolodex. I'll try to find them one or two different people that can say, sure. I gotcha. Absolutely. And then you, you, you also have them as a client because now you're the go-to person that they can trust uh, and so on. And we've discussed this in the past. You become the person who gets first look at whatever their various situations are because they come to you with the problem. And although you may spin it off to somebody else, you had the option to go, hey, I'll, I'll jump in on that. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just mentoring or consulting or whatever. I, I've bought real estate based on that. Who do you know that, you know, could do so-and-so? Well, I got several people that uh, do that and finance it, provide financing and so on. It's before I tell you which one to call, what's the deal? And they tell me the deal. And on more than one occasion, I said, well, you don't have to call anybody. I'll take it. Mm -hmm. I got first look, first right of refusal. So it has being the generous go-to person has all sorts of selfish built-in benefits. It does. I had a first look yesterday, just come out of the blue. And I was happy to have it happen. It was just perfect timing. It happens. But, you know, people know who you are what you bring to the table and how you operate, yep. they're going to trust you. And as you say, they know you like you, trust you, and they feel comfortable with you, I think you said. Feel safe, yeah. Feel safe with you. I never can remember this. To me, they're kind of synonymous. But something else that you're talking about, you've pre-haggled, and I instantly went to AT&T and Comcast until we got AT&T out here. I live in the country. I live between Hurricanes Katrina and Rito. It was, up until the last couple of years, very rural. You know, plantations, cornfields, soybeans, rice fields. It's, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of darn houses. And I wish they'd quit knocking down my in my landmarks because I get lost. It's like, how do I find the grocery store now? Which it's just true story. I have lost the grocery store. Gigi but, gets mad when they move the yellow tractor on the corner that's been there for 40 years because she always turned right at the yellow tractor. And, and now it's gone. So we drive off into the countryside. <laughs> I constantly get lost. And this is not a big area, but boy, I'll tell you, I've, I've learned to leave 15 minutes early because I know I'm going to have to turn around multiple times. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, when we're talking about, you know, that pre-haggled thing, and this is kind of off topic a little bit, but, you know, we just had Comcast and boy, I'm telling you, Ben, I know there was an entire room of people who'd say, who's on the phone? Oh, geez. And I could feel this collective shudder because they <laughs> knew I hated them. I really did. And, you know, finally we got AT&T and uh, they're better. But 
the the thing is when you go to I'm just going to use AT&T although this has not happened with them but it's happened with so many other companies it might as well be but you know all of a sudden your agreement with them runs out and you like mm-hmm. the agreement you had you like the pricing you had they will not renew it they won't and yep. you'll say listen I have been a customer of yours for uh, you know up 10 years you know, I'm looking online and you're offering these great discounts and great pricing and all the goodies to new people. What's wrong with your older people? Why do you hate us? And I'm telling <laughs> you, they, they, I guess because they think they can get by with it. I don't know what the thinking is, but it leaves a very bad taste. Absolutely. And one of the advantages of the approach we've been discussing uh, for those who just tuned in, page 71, save as much as you want. You're using the pre-haggled concept, but the other important thing is you're setting up the boundaries in my daily uh, success system that Dr. Napoleon Hill taught me. Somebody asked me the other day, a new client, well, doesn't that hem you in when you you know write out what you're going to be doing a year from now and, and so on? So I said, no, it gives you the framework so you don't have to think, you don't have to uh, remember what you told them last time or what you may have told a friend of theirs or what have you. This is the way it is. It's been thought through. It's fair. We provide great service and we don't haggle at all about anything. And oh, what if I want to take my business elsewhere? Don't let the door hit you. But, you know, you, you, you'd be hurting yourself to do that. We, wow. The way I set up yeah. any sales situation is if I were the customer, how would I want this handled and how would I want to be treated? So by the time, rule, right? Yeah, by the time the pub, yeah, exactly. By the time the public hears about it, I've already thought it through. If I were a customer, I would take this. Uh, I would be happy with this, even knowing I know the background. I know what it really costs to produce and and so on. But I would still be happy with this. And uh, Earl Nightingale, when he set up his uh, distributor organization, he came to me to have me set it up for him or give him advice might be a more accurate phrase. And uh, we did. But they had the uh, now if if it's somebody that's really famous, let's give them this discount. And if it's somebody else, let's give them this discount and so on. And I said, uh, here's an idea. Why don't we give everybody a 50% discount off a of retail if they're going to or buy for resale? That way they don't have to wonder how much they're making and give it to them up front. Not, they were given it at the end of the month. By the end of the month, if you sold so much, we'll give you back this amount of discount. I don't want them thinking about what I will make or not make if I don't do or don't sell this item because I'm trying to hit some monthly target. Uh, let's just give them, let's make it easy. If you were out in the field, would you like to know what you're going to make if you make a sale? Well, yeah, I would. Well, good. Let's give it to everybody. non And then if Zig Ziglar calls, he can't, so I'll use his name. If Zig Ziglar calls, you don't give him some better discount and then I call an hour later and I find out because I know Zig and he would tell me what he's paying. Right. So uh, uh, it just makes life so much easier. It gives you the freedom to think about the customer instead of what you're going to charge them, et cetera. And 
with the with the uh, save as much as you want chapter we're talking about the they can't complain because they picked it you know you had a choice you could stay just like you were uh you could go to the contract you could get locked into savings forever and uh you chose this congratulations uh, it's just a, an easier, freer way to operate. When the general was asking me about the daily success system, he said, well, you block out four long weekends a year to go over to the coast, right? What if I called you and offered you $100,000 for that weekend to come to come speak to me? Uh, I'd have to say no, but I'd refer you to somebody who would be thrilled to do it. You mean you'd turn down? Yes, I would. Uh, and when I'm talking to them and they say, we may do a seminar, first thing I do is pick up my calendar. Roughly, when are we talking about? And I might steer them away from a weekend that's already committed or some event that I've already promised I'm I'm going to or I'm going to do or whatever. But uh, and and they don't even have to know why I'm doing it. But it gives me a bracket, a set of rules I don't want to get on a train that's going somewhere, buy a ticket and get on a train and then hear a mile or two into the trip that they're still building the track and they haven't decided where it's going to go yet. Uh, is it going to take the river route or the cliff route, for instance, <laughs> might be something I'd want to know. So it gives you the, the sets up the rails, sets up the boundaries for what you're going to be doing together. And it just takes so much off your mind. In fact, I haven't, I've sold this way so long, Denise, that I, I can't imagine doing it any other way. I mean, it just wouldn't cross my mind to do it. I feel totally comfortable with it. And they like, whether they say it out loud or not, they like the feeling of confidence and certainty. I was talking to one of my clients the other day and uh, they sell a very expensive item over the phone and right in the middle of the conversation i was looking dead in the camera giving him advice there were two or three of them on the call he said here's something i'd like to know how did you get that feeling of confidence that you project and certainty and i said well you do a pretty good job he said not like you do he said when, when you start talking I, I get mesmerized because it doesn't seem to be any uh, shakiness in what you're going to do or what your thoughts are. I said, well, I've been doing it for a long time. I'm on script. If it's a subject I know anything about, if I don't know anything about it, I tell you, I don't know anything about it, but I'll find out or send you to somebody who does. And the things were discussing among the things I was talking to them about was being non-negotiable. Uh, I said, the things I tell you are non-negotiable up to and including, I know you fired a, a a client, a very profitable client, not too long ago. Up to yeah, up to including firing the per. We don't have to quibble about pricing because I'm not going to work with you anymore. Uh, That's exactly what happened. I mean, yeah. it, got, it got bizarre very quickly, but you know, if it's not a good fit and you are not able for whatever reason to supply what you need to supply, get out. Right. This this uh, individual that uh, he was referring to was trying to become a client, and I talked to him a couple of times, and finally he said, I get the feeling you don't want me as a client. And I said, that's right. He said, why not? And I said, I don't like you. I have done that too. Yeah. If you don't like somebody, you can't work with them. I don't yeah. care 
Life's too short to get up every morning and dread who you're going to talk to that day. There's enough accidents that come in cold (laughs) that I don't want to talk to again without deliberately scheduling someone into your daily life that's uncomfortable. And that includes the hagglers of the world. That's one of the reasons I draw that up short. Most, Most people are bright enough if they're dealing with me to only ask for difference differentiations in price once because I'm real clear about the way I explain it and then they may or not buy they may or not buy for that reason and may or may not tell me I don't really care but uh, they don't they don't go back to well let's discuss the price again uh, it was real clear the first time my pricing policy And it just gives you a strength in dealing with people that my client the other day could sense. And the other thing. They can. Listen, the the thing about the word no, and my mom said that was my very first word, and I meant it. She said there was (laughs) no word. But I will warn people look, I'll tell you no once. I may tell you no twice. There is no third time. And no is a complete sentence. That's exactly right. And when I say it, I mean it. And I don't necessarily feel like explaining it. It's no. There's nothing to explain beyond that. Right. We we have a friend or an acquaintance. She's a friend of a friend. So she sort of comes in some packages. She's there. And she wanted us to go out to her house after, I think it was a funeral. Maybe we were in the cemetery. And, uh, you know, I want you to come over. And she's one of those... It's delightful in small doses, you know, one of those right in your face. Uh, I want you to do this and you're going to come over here and we're going to do this and don't tell me no type thing. And uh, I stood there and let her run her thing because I wanted to see the whole show. And uh, when she finished, I said, well, I really appreciate it. But no, you know, we won't be coming. Uh, I've had all the uh, act, group activity I want with the funeral service and the burial. So we're done for the day. I really appreciate it. She got right up nose to nose again. And her, she finally, she gave up and walked away. And her husband came over and said, you're the only person I've ever known that stuck with no. How'd you do that? And I said, I made up my mind 20 years ago. She's late to the party. I don't do things I don't want to do. I don't want to go to your house and discuss a dead person we've been discussing all day. Right. So it, uh, it, and it's fun. It's even fun while it happens. It's an important attitude. I mean, you don't want to do, you don't want to say no just to be snarky. No. No has to mean no. And you have to back it up and make them back down. We were at a friend's house and she has grandchildren. It's her daughter and the husband and two kids and we're over there, this is Christmas, either last year or the year before. And he says, Ben, the kids just love you. Uh, would uh, would you mind if I got you the costume and all, dressing up like Santa Claus and sneak up on the porch and let them glimpse you and you put down the package? And I said, oh, that's sweet. About I really appreciate it. It's quite a compliment. No, thank you. And and uh, <laughs> I'm already picturing it in my head. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and he started into phase two of the promotion of the presentation and the friend of Gigi, who's the grandmother of those little kids said to him, let me save you some time. Ben just said, no, that's it. We've all tried for many years. It's no, it will not change. I promise you. 
find yourself another Santa Claus. I don't know why people don't understand it. I mean, we're clear. Sometimes we'll give an explanation whether, you know, sometimes it requires a small explanation. But to me, no, and, and particularly the tone of voice like you just did, it's no. It's, you know, there's no equivocation. There's no coming back with anything. No. When I was working at San Quentin, there was a counselor there and she had a big sign behind her desk, you know, professionally printed in eight inch letters or something. And it's what the inmate was looking at when he was talking to her and you didn't talk to her unless you were in trouble or you wanted some special favor. And, uh, she, what the sign said was, what part of no don't you understand? Yep. And I was sitting there talking to her one day and I saw the sign. I said, that sort of shuts down the conversation <laughs> rather quickly. And she said, yeah, that's the point. Exactly. And I had a printer friend. This is a little off subject, but Nick, Nick Giamapoli. He was a printer by the time I knew him prior to that. He was a detective in San Rafael, California, and wore a gun because there were several people he put away that weren't real happy about that who would get out eventually. One did and killed a, a former judge and a lawyer on the way to Nick's office to kill him for being the arresting officer. So he's had the gun, and he was a big strapping, looked like an Italian movie star, although he was Greek. And... Uh, behind his desk i used to drop by with friends just to show him the sign the sign behind his reception counter and it said i, I won't use the word uh, just effing okay just because you waited the last effing moment for your printing job does not make your problem my problem right your your urgency, your critical urgency is not my issue or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Your crisis is not my crisis. Don't even try to make it one. <laughs> I used to get the biggest kick out. And when you're talking to a guy who's 6'4 and has a gun on his side, you pretty much just read the sign and let it go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even I would. And, you know, I don't have my mother used to say, not only do you not have filters, you're not afraid of anything, are you? No, I don't have sense enough. <laughs> you know, I, really don't. I think I worried her more than the rest of the kids because she never knew it was going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and I don't. I frequently don't. hear things at the same time my audience hears them. Yeah, me too. For the, for the first time. <laughs> and I'll, I'll call you and say, did I say that? Yes, you did. Okay. It's too late now. <laughs> Can't fix it. Oh, well. <laughs> Thought it was a bad thing. dream. Yeah. So yeah, to but... our listeners, draw the boundaries before the conversation. That's the trick. You don't start establishing these rules while you're in the middle of your presentation. Your boundaries, they may need a little adjusting in the very beginning, but after they're set, your boundaries are your boundaries, and they've probably been there for several years before today's conversation. And therefore, the answer is much simpler. And the people, you know, I say people buy from people they know, like, trust, and with whom they feel safe. That's not in violation of that. People, generally speaking, not everybody, I only close 86% of the people I talk to, but people generally feel comfortable knowing that they get the deal. You know, when you buy a car, 
you sort of wonder, I don't, but if you buy a car, you wonder, did the guy before you get a better deal? Did the lady after you, is she going to get a better deal than you got? Because we're now down to negotiating skills. Uh, they haven't been terribly successful because they haven't ha had the right salespeople trained properly to do them. But I love the one price uh, car lots. The price is on the window and that's it. Yes or no. Uh, well, I don't want to pay that much. We'll come by every bit every day because if it doesn't sell, we're not stupid. We'll lower the price, but we'll lower the price for everybody. My uh, mother-in-law, now deceased, wanted to go to a Hertz uh, sale at our local fairgrounds where Hertz would truck in lots of cars, I guess, that they had passed that point where they wanted to rent them. It's a great place, by the way, those types of businesses to buy cars because they keep them in tip-top shape. And for tax reasons and so on, they don't want to drive them past their expiration date. So you can get a good car with, you know, clear uh, records as to what it's been through, if anything, and so on. So I took her over to the fairgrounds and I'm Ben Gay. I'm a great negotiator, not when I'm selling, but when I'm buying, <laughs> you know. So we go up to some car, she says, I like that one. And it would fit all of her general needs and she wasn't going to go drag racing so she really all she needed to know is does it have a steering wheel does it have an accelerator and how do you get in it and uh, so i look it over and i said well, if you're happy with it uh, let me work on the price the young guy comes over armed with exactly what we've been talking about he'd been pre-programmed to know this is the deal and and had accurate records on every car and i said we really like this car, but I'm making, so let's say it's $10,000. Uh, but I really don't want to pay $10,000 for it because you see this mark here on the upholstery and he flips open and saying, he said, yeah, uh, mark on the upholstery is written right here. That's the reason it's $10,000. Uh -huh. did, did you notice this little ding on the fender? He flips through saying, yep, ding on the fender right here. That's the reason it's $10,000. And while we're while I'm looking for the soft spot that will drop the price, some guy who I guess had bought from Hertz before walked up and said to his salesperson, I'll take this one <laughs> on the other side of the car. You were I'm outbent. <laughs> you were outbent. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I realized the mistake. And, and I said, uh, uh, Ruth, pick out another car real quick. And she said, well, I like that one. I said, good. And I went over, the, uh, took the guy with me. I said, we'll take this one. He said, don't you have any questions? I said, no, I, I had questions on the last one and lost the car. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. You're a okay. one price shop. He said, yes, got sir. it. Right. And, and they were prepared for it, which is very, very smart. Mm -hmm. they, the, the rules were, he didn't have to set the rules. It didn't take any nerve on his part. It was pre-negotiated by Hertz. And he didn't have the authority to do anything, which is wonderful, because if he'd had the authority to drop the price, he might have done something stupid. But they locked him into their system. What I'm saying to our folks and to me and you is you lock yourself into your system. The key being in advance. Listen, anytime I have second guessed myself on pricing for a website or for social media marketing or a consultation. I don't do it often, but yeah, you know, I have been known to do it and I regretted it every single time. Yep.
So my point there is don't, you know, don't drop your price or your hours or whatever you're going to do, because it's not going to work with how you really operate. But if you let somebody haggle you down, that should have been your first, you know, first kind of inkling that they're not your person. They're not your client. Yeah. And you can have those doubts, you know, I, I want $10,000 to do this. And then, well, that's a little high. Let me think it through. Oh, 9,000. Okay. Once we're now talking to the customer, it's 9,000. You know, and if you want additional bells for exactly what we're talking about, uh, if you want additional bells and whistles, we can talk about additional pricing. But before you got here, and that's the reason I use the term pre-haggled, you know, somebody starts haggling, I say, hey, I got good news for you. It was pre-haggled. I knew what I wanted. Then I figured I probably wouldn't get it. And I knew what you would ask. And I wouldn't take that. And I went back and forth and half and half and split that, the, split the difference and came out to this figure. So you and I don't have to do that. It's been pre-haggled. I love that. And you were talking earlier, and I'm going to have to paraphrase because I didn't really write this down. Well, I did, but I can't read it. There's a cat <laughs> on my notepad. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, if you start to build something, like you're on the train and you, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see the mountains. And all of a sudden you're somewhere near Nashville. There's no mountains there that I know of. <laughs> and you can't, I mean, the whole thing just came off the rails. I see an awful lot of this in my industry, you know, in marketing in particular, where people say, oh, we're going to build it as we go. Oh my God. Well, I'm not going to trust you with my money then. Sorry. Yep, if it's exactly. not built and you don't know what the heck you're doing, I'm going to go somewhere else or build it myself. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's prevalent. It's getting worse. Oh, well, you know, we're going to build as we go. Well, you know, you go ahead and pay us this amount of money, but it's not going to be ready for another six weeks. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me know when it's ready, and then I'll think about it. And I'll think about, we'll, we'll do that another day, but <laughs> you should have already ruled out, I'll think about it, not when you're the customer, but when you're selling you should have already killed. I'll think about it up front. That's in sales infiltration, the last chapter, the closers part two. I tell them how it will probably go. I'll tell you this. You'll tell me that. I'll tell you this. And then you'll tell me you want to think about it. I don't operate that way. So here's the deal. I'll be straight with you. You be straight with me. I call it straight, straight. I'll treat you honestly, fairly, squarely, decently by the rules. But don't then tell me that you have a brother-in-law in Cleveland you've got to check with who's an attorney. You don't have a brother-in-law. He doesn't live in Cleveland, and he's not an attorney. So don't try that, and don't tell me you want to think it over. I'd be much happier with a firm no than, than a wishy-washy maybe. Yeah, I don't want to hang around and wait. What My offer is my offer, whatever it's going to be. And it's the best offer I can give you. And like you, I, you know, I've already pre-haggled my own self. I know what I'm going to be building. I know what's going to happen. There may be some add-ons and we'll talk about those because, you know, in the web development industry, there's always going to be scope creep. So that is factored in. And for those of you who are listening, there may also be a PITA tax, pain in the ass tax. Don't mess <laughs> with us. Seriously. Don't. Yeah. We're going to prefactor that into the pricing. So <laughs> behave yourselves. 
Listen, I wanted to, and we didn't get all the way through this chapter. I want to maybe talk about it again because it's a longer chapter. But there are, you know, when you say you want a few more minutes to talk about it, there's, you have these basic elements, and I'm on page 73, and we're talking about the man that you started this whole chapter. The business is profitable as is, but he's charging half of what he could and should. Been there, done that. Two, most of his clients were on a month-to-month basis with no contracts. Three, the bank won't loan construction money. Four, his objectives were to get to one get 100% of his clients on signed contracts without losing a, a single client, without discriminating while doubling his sales. The solution, this is what I thought was so brilliant. He said, first you decided to offer the solution to 25 of his customers in person as a test. So that way, if you were way off base with your brilliant solution, you could withdraw and regroup without destroying his entire business. And then, you know, it, it goes on and on. But basically, the final solution was all literature was used to ex- to explain the service to his clients was immediately revised to show the new higher price. So that yep. made it official, firm, and believable to one and all. Again, it goes back to what you're saying. So, but it really did change his business around and he didn't even know there was a problem. He got fat and lazy. As I said, air is cheap. And uh, he got used to making a lot of money for not doing much. His service is very valuable when called upon. But if if you never call on it, it's virtually pure profit, you know, plus or minus the the price to send you a bill. Gotcha. I'm guessing I'm thinking funeral director, but what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) Who could this be? (laughs) I got I got some of those as clients. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that's, you know, I'm telling you, in my family, we're all pretty snarky. And I remember talking with my mom, who is now passed, and my brother, who is now passed. And, you know, the the talk came around, well, Denise, what do you want to have happen to you? I said, well, I want to be cremated, but I want to be put in a hefty bag and put in the tomato garden. I want to be of some use. Do not spend money to put (laughs) me anywhere. Just don't. You know, that's a growing business, being buried out in the forest. Really? Yeah, and being fertilizer, yeah. Has to be in a designated area. You can't do it in your neighbor's backyard. But they plant you under or near a tree with, you know, probably a hefty bag around you or something. (laughs) Uh, I was joking, but it makes sense. Yeah, maybe a burlap bag. I don't know. No no coffin, no protection. We know you're going from dust to dust, from earth to earth. You're going back where you came. You're leaving with nothing. You came in with nothing. Congratulations. I like that idea. I do that with my pets. I've got the entire back of my house is a pet cemetery. And and that works out fine. So why not humans? Done with dignity and under a tree that everybody can identify. So you can go pay your respects to Uncle Harry if you want uh, and so on. But I think the first time I heard of that, oh, God. And then I about 10 minutes later, I thought, no, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. It makes sense. Funerals to me are just bizarre. Weddings and funerals, I just don't like either of them. I can't tell you which one I dislike worse. I think it's kind of even. Well, well, listen, what are we going to be talking about next Wednesday? Well, that's a good question. I have a couple of uh uh, things marked that I thought let's do an easy one page uh, 35 I don't know I don't know okay got it 
already. Let me go look at that. I know this book inside and out, but I still need to thumb through it. Page 35. I don't know. You have just read three of the most difficult words to pronounce in the <laughs> English language and probably in any other language. That's true. That and I'm sorry. You know, when you say I'm sorry, you try to sound sincere. Just give it a shot. Okay. So, so I got it written down. Excellent. As do I. And that will be next. Uh, and, and you're right. It's such a simple concept, but it's among the most difficult. Uh, to actually do. I had to master that early on. I would have to tell because when you're starting a business, particularly when it's a tech business or it's something that you haven't really mastered yet, you're, you always want to say, oh, sure, I can do that. And then all of a sudden you're losing a client. You're losing your mind because you lied to them to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah. And, and you're losing your reputation, part of your reputation. Oh, yeah. Yep. And and so on. So I don't know. I think it's just I was we were discussing that one day with Dr. Hill uh, and uh, he said, Ben, there's nothing because I was at that age, age 25, when I met him, where you had to have an answer to everything uh, just because somebody asked you a question. And he said, I'm sure he made up the statistic, but it's about right. He said, Ben, you don't know. Ninety nine point. Nine 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 percent of the facts that are available. He said, "So why would you be ashamed to say I don't know? Compared to what's available to know, you don't know anything." I'm writing that down, and he's right. I mean, that's yep. absolutely true. And the thing with facts is sometimes they're not facts; they're mm -hmm. suppositions, or they're just made out flat out lies that are parading as facts. So use critical thinking skills. Ben, where can people find you, your mentoring program, and of course, sales Bibles? If you're interested in my mentoring program, and I'll explain it to you in detail in the cover letter I'll send you if you ask, uh, shoot me an email to B as in Ben, F as in Frank, G as in Gay, the number three, BFG3 at directcon.net d-i-r-e-c-t-c-o-n as in november dot net that's for mentoring or anything else you want to just tell me how wonderful i am that's where you would tell me uh and then if you'd like to get started on the closer series here's a place that gives you special pricing free shipping but there's still carrying our lifetime guarantee and they're still brought to me for signing and, and uh, dating before they go out. There you go to stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot con, C-O-N forward slash Ronzoni books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S, Ronzoni books. And if you order before two o'clock California time, they'll be shipped that day. Either way, you'll get them really quick. We have, and they have what we call sudden service. Sudden service? What does that sudden. mean? It means you don't, you know how the ads say allow six weeks for delivery. Oh, oh. Our service is sudden. You order, we ship. 
In fact, one of the cute things that happens occasionally is people call back to change the order two hours later. And I say, well, we can change it with a different, a separate package, but your order's already gone. Gone in two hours? I said, it may have been gone in 30 minutes. I don't know, but it's gone. You ordered, we shipped. Now, more importantly, uh, as I want you to tell them about the launch of your new uh, podcast, symposium for lack of a better word i think you call it get your voice heard tell me about that i'm really excited for you you know i am too and you and i have talked about godwinks before you're definitely one of my godwinks and the last week or two i've had several people that i really do depend on their wisdom just beat me across the head and shoulders you know, basically saying, Denise, get out of your own way. You have a very unique voice in the podcasting industry. And I'm not talking about my physical voice. I'm talking about, I've been doing this for 15 years, something of a subject matter expert. And I'm not teaching people what I know, which is basically you and several other people have just essentially said, well, shame on you. So I'm through crying about it. I'm not, I'm not whining <laughs> anymore, but it's something that I've been thinking about doing for the longest kind of time. And all of a sudden the bottleneck broke. I was the bottleneck. So I thank all of you who have been talking with me and saying, Denise, what the heck? Why aren't you teaching what you know? So it's called Get Your Voice Heard and it is set to launch next week. And I'm inviting everybody who's listening to join me and David L. Brown, the business plan answer man as we dive into teaching and training in the realm of podcasting. And our goal is honestly to equip aspiring podcasters, whether they're brand new, getting ready to become a podcaster, getting ready to become a guest or a host with the skills and the confidence to make a real impact in the podcasting world. And once Get Your Voice Heard launches, you can find the information on our dedicated websites. Mine is yourpartnerinsuccessradio.com. And David's is, I believe, David Brown, the, the answer man. I'll have to, you can find him. He's easy to find. He's both of us are all over social media, but we will be sharing this information on our, our websites, on social media, newsletters. We'll get the details out to you and the access link. So keep an eye out for those announcements. But Ben, I wanted to tell you one of the things that, and this is very important because of the holiday season right now. I have been going through my hundreds of books that are in these bookcases in my office, and I'm digging out the books that I genuinely believe are important for people like me, for people like you, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs. If you don't have an entrepreneurial library, you need one. And I would start with the closers. Well, bless you. I appreciate that. It is uh, closers part. Closers part two is a better book. But it's sort of based on the fact that I think you've already read the closers part one, so I don't have to cover the basics again. But the closers part one is the best selling, most popular, most powerful book on selling and closing ever written. Ten and a half million copies sold when we quit counting 30 years ago. And you and Dr. Napoleon Hill, you've sold all these millions of books. You're kind of up there with the Bible, aren't you? (laughs) He was. I, the Bible might be a little disappointed in my sales, but there was a time when Think and Grow Rich was billed as second only to the Bible. I don't know if that was true then or now, but he sold uh, probably over 100 million for sure. Amazing. 
And he wrote that, as I believe you have told me, as a training manual. Yeah, it's a sales training manual. And everyone's reading it. They have college courses on what's the deep meaning in it. The deep meaning, right out of his mouth to my ears, take action. Action, yep. You've told me that. And I see that, you know, in little bubbles over my head and kind of like what I've been talking about this last couple of weeks, take action, quit thinking about it, quit talking about it, do it. As he said to me one day when I was, I won't tell you the whole story, but as I was struggling with a decision, he said, Ben, you're dithering, take action. Yep. Dithering was a word his generation used, but, uh, but he was right. I'm old enough and my parents were old enough to know when he said it, I thought, damn, you're right. I'm dithering. And, you know, we can I can dither with the best of them. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. But then I get mad and say, all right, knock it off. (laughs) Get moving. Take action. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for joining us, and be sure to find us on your partner on Success Radio. The truth is, you can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting us. Just look for our names, Ben Gay III, or me, Denise Griffiths, or the title, The Closer's Inner Circle Podcast. Honestly, we are everywhere. We're on Audible. We're on Stitcher. We're on Apple. We're everywhere. You cannot say, well, you know, I'd like to hear that, but I can't find it. You can find us. We're easy to find. So everybody, listen to us um, at your your leisure. And if you have questions for us, and we love to answer questions, get in touch with us. Get in touch with Ben. Get in touch with me. And we'll answer your questions on air. We really enjoy hearing from you. So thank you, everybody, and have a terrific day, Ben. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you.